Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I am Bruce! And here we are, halfway through the season, and guess what day it is? It's day to do Temple's Treasures. Yes! Uh, for those who haven't been following us since the beginning, every season we choose a card type and a color. Uh, we've been going through all the enchantments, so... Uh, our logical next step is blue enchantments. Uh, then we have a few rules. We choose, or we each choose three to five cards of said card type color, uh, and and it has to be under one to two thousand decks on EDA Trek, and it has to have been first printed before eighth edition. Yes. Cool. Am I missing any rules? No. I mean, the idea was that between one to 2,000 decks on EDH rec, the idea there was we want to find cards that you haven't seen or haven't yeah. heard of. The fact that, you know, ooh, I could include propaganda on my list. Well, that's... <laughs> Everyone knows propaganda. Right. Everybody knows propaganda. The whole point of this is to provide you with a handful of cards you've never heard of before. And, and and then take those under consideration for some of the decks that you have. We want to we yeah. open up your open up the possibilities and give you some cards that will make other people reach across the table and say, "What is that?" Yeah, and I think uh, for me it it really helps kind of find these budget uh, choices where you want to be able to do certain things with your deck, but sometimes the tech for that is a little pricier. Uh, and it's just nice to see all the things you can do within a color. Um, yeah. Right. And having said that, we don't consider the actual dollar value of the card. Right. right so right. because we're looking at cards this far back, some of them do land on the reserve list. And yeah, when like they that. do, you're generally looking at <clears throat> you're looking at a more expensive card. So, Like with our black episode, we had uh, Tombstone Stairwell, yes. which I think is well above $20 at this point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, so these cards are, I mean, as it always goes in this show, are not going to be optimal. Um, but they should provide you with some sort of variety uh, and, and and fun. So Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of these cards, um, you're going to, you know, we're going to tell you what the card does, and you're going to say, that makes no sense for this deck. And I'm going to say, yes, you are absolutely correct. It makes no sense for that deck. Generally speaking, when we're going to find a card that doesn't show up in a lot of decks on EDH rec, it's because it tends to be a card that works out really well in a particular deck. Um, Very niche, you know, yes. Yeah, in a niche. It, it's going to be tough to find, uh, to find cards that are that old that haven't, you know, if they're good in multiple decks, why aren't they in multiple decks? Uh, we've sort of reached that point now. So uh, keep in mind, I mean, we'll generally try and point out what kind of decks we were thinking of when we talk about the cards. So, um, yeah. So, Andy, we should probably get going. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, we have a handful. Going into blue, there, I'm sure, were two. Uh, the biggest problem was uh, a lot of these cards, a lot of blue enchantments in general uh, see a lot of play. Uh, blue is a one of the most popular colors, and on top of it, uh, 
just strong enchantments. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the older enchantments, they seem to do exactly what you want blue to do in commander <laughs> games. Uh, you know, a, a ton of them are there and they draw cards. A ton of them are there, they make it more difficult for opponents to attack you. Uh, and, you know, it just sort of goes that on and on that way. And so they they do tend to show up in a lot of decks. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It was, um, I found this a little more challenging than, than the other ones we've done so far. Yeah, so let's see if these overlap. It'll be a fun first, if so. You bet. Um, if you have been listening to a few of the past Temple's Treasures, uh, you know which card I will choose first, and that is Seda Sanctuary. Uh, for uh, Coming in at 139 decks, Seda Sanctuary is two and a blue. Uh, and it says, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control a red or green permanent, draw a card, then discard a card. If you control a red permanent and a green permanent, instead draw two cards, then discard a card. This goes really well in either an Is It deck or a Simic deck. Ideally, a Teamer deck would be so sweet. Um, I've got one of these in my three-color Omnath deck, and it uh, rarely doesn't go off uh you're going to be looking through the top of your deck every turn um and if you have any sort of graves graveyard recursion uh throwing things in the, the the bin isn't excuse me uh that big of a deal and you're i mean most of the time especially in green you're going to just be throwing away land because you will have had enough <laughs> um Right, so. and it, that's especially true if you have if you have a green and red permanent because you're drawing exactly. two and discarding one, uh, and this is before your draw step. So right. this is an extra card or two. Right. So I think you're in uh, you're in good shape when that uh, when you're looking at that sort of setup. Um, yeah, I also I like this card even even just as a straight loot effect on your upkeep. Mm. Um, just the idea that uh, there are plenty of decks where you are looking to actually toss cards into the graveyard for whatever reason. Um, I mean, as soon as you as soon as you start drifting into loot, you can start looking at madness costs. You can start looking at you know any sort of graveyard recursion. I mean, green does this really well. Uh, so, mm. so running with running blue green uh, means you're likely just setting yourself up for future uh, future draw steps. Yeah, and the nice thing <clears throat> is that red and green are both words rather than any sort of symbol. So, like, the uh, the color identity of this card is just blue. Right. Um, it's very sweet. Yeah, no, I like this one. This is, uh, this is one I've always, I've always enjoyed, and uh, it's something that's uh, readily available, meaning it's an uncommon. And when I was playing during Apocalypse, this was something that you could readily find and actually get into your decks. <laughs> um, so, all right, Bruce. All right, your first card. Well, you talked about green, so I think I'm going to keep that rolling along. Uh, my first enchantment is uh, it costs two blue mana. Uh, the card's name is Life Tap. Ooh. Uh, for Life Tap, it says whenever a forest an opponent controls becomes tapped, you gain one life. Hmm. It's real basic. It's real straightforward. And yes, if none of your opponents are playing green, it's useless. 
<laughs> but when are people not playing green, Bruce? Well, this is just <laughs> it. You have to remember that, I mean, LifeTap was created back when the only, the only type of magic that was even considered when they were making these cards was one-on-one. So they mm. understood that quite often your opponent isn't going to play green. So they kept the cost low and they gave you a pretty decent benefit. Um, so now turn that around now. Uh, to me, this is a card that I want to play early. It's a card I want to play mid-game. It's a card I'm happy to play late. It's only two blue mana. And as long as I have even one opponent playing green, and I'm going to have one, <laughs> even if they're playing two colors or three colors, they're tapping green mana. The thing, mm. the thing with green players is they're less likely to be running card, running green that isn't a forest because they're li- more likely using cards that say, find a forest in your, li- in your library, put it into play. Now this card doesn't have, it doesn't, you know, it still recognizes uh, when you tap a dual land that counts as, say, a forest and a mountain. You tap it for, you tap it for red, life tap doesn't care, you tapped a forest. <laughs> so you're yeah. still getting the life. So even if, even if the green player is playing with a lot of duels, most of those duels are likely going to say the word forest on them. And when they're not playing with duels, they're going to get basic forests. Mm. Now with the new Yavimaya, uh, legendary land, um, that with this turns all lands on the battlefield into forests. So every time anybody taps a land, well, uh, you you gain a life. Yeah, and you got exactly where I'm going. Like Simic really needed more help with this, <laughs> right? Um, but that's where we're at. And so I mean, with Yavimaya out, you're gaining fifteen maybe 20 life a turn 20 life per a round of play um it, when, especially when you get to the late game if you're not playing with yavamaya and you do only have one opponent they're ta- they're going to tap at least three forests every turn they're playing yeah. green they're going to use it <laughs> so you are going to be gaining some amount of life every turn and i think worst case scenario you're probably looking at three life per round and that might go under the radar for a couple of turns, but it certainly isn't going to stay there for very long. Once your life total starts drifting well over 40 or, you know, climbing significantly every round. Uh, and don't forget, when we hit the late game, uh, you know, as soon as the green player starts tapping 15 mana, <laughs> if even half of those are forests, well, then you're looking at another seven life. And that's just from that one round, just from that one yeah, layer tap. And that'll make all the difference. Yeah. I think what's kind of nice with this too is that it does that stacks type thing, but it's much less overbearing. Like like nobody's going to think twice about the benefit they're giving you by tapping a forest. Um Right. And that's certainly you that's not going to make them stop doing it. Right. I mean, honestly, if you're playing against another playing against a Simic player, then you know what? If they're tapping all their blue mana to pay the generic, the, the colorless costs on all their spells, I'll take that. That's a win for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Tap out your blue mana and leave you leave you with only green on my turn. Uh, you know, I, I'm a-okay <laughs> with that. Um, I like the card specifically because I don't want to build around it. I mean, mm. if you want, you can add other cards that 
you know, tap opponent's lands or an opponent's permanent. You just tap in it. Whether it's tapping a creature to try and prevent it from damage, as long as you've got a card that allows you to tap an opponent's land, you can gain the life. But that's just ridiculous. I'm not going to add cards to my deck just so I can tap your land to gain a life. <laughs> it, uh, Especially if it's just one life. Right. This is This is a card that you just add to the deck because I need a little life gain. I need my opponents to be a little more, uh, perhaps a little more careful about how they're tapping, you know, what they're paying for every turn. Yeah, you need it incidentally. Like you need the incidental life gain so that it happens and nobody really thinks about it. And then all of a sudden you're you're 10 life up from where you were. Right. This card is not your is not your game plan for the deck. This card right. is just there throwing in some life. You know, unless you've got three opponents all playing all tapping forests. Uh I'm not sure how quickly people are gonna go people are gonna make an effort to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, you know. You are gaining some life, but as long as you're not gaining obscene amounts, most players are a okay. I mean, how many times have we seen the white player gaining a life every time a creature comes into play, and then being allowed to have those creatures in play for, you know, seven rounds, and they end up gaining, you know, fifteen, twenty life, and nobody ever, nobody even tries to kill the creature. If people can get away with that, then certainly they can get away with having an enchantment that gives you one life when somebody taps a forest. Yeah. So, so yeah. life tap in fifty-two decks according to EDH rec. Yeah. Um, my next card um, is a blue enchantment. Surprise, mm. surprise. Uh, it's in 472 decks. It's called War Tax. It's two and a blue. Uh, and it says uh, it has an activated ability uh, where you can pay X and blue. And creatures can attack this turn unless their controller pays X for each attacking creature. Um, I found this very interesting because... Uh, Obviously, it would be better if it was can't attack you, uh, or if it was uh, like all the time. If you just could, if it was like X and a blue, put counters on people can't attack for unless they pay how many ever counters type thing. But I f- feel like because this activated ability can be activated instant speed, you just kind of wait until the person that you're most worried about is taking their turn. You wait until they're going to uh, combat step. You know, maybe politicize it a little bit and be like, look, I want to activate this unless or uh, unless you agree not to attack me mm-hmm. or uh, even just force them to do it if they've tapped out before their combat step. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you activate it for... I mean, even if you're just putting three blue into it, or a blue and two other generic mana. Uh, having them pay two for each attacking creature, I mean, that's attacking anyone, too. Um, granted, you put that tax on them, they're going to come after you. But making them pay is very big. <laughs> yeah. The best part about this card is, okay, one, you're a blue player. You're probably going to have mana available. So on your opponent's turn... Before they get to combat. So, are you attacking me? Right. And you make it really clear that if the answer is yes, or if they don't give you an answer, 
then those creatures aren't going anywhere. Because you will tap enough mana to make sure they don't. The best part is, how many times are players going to say, I'll attack somebody else. <laughs> and then you don't even have to tap the mana. It costs yeah. you nothing. Now, And, with the flip side, if you do it to... like, Because generally, there's one person at the table, out of the four of you, that has this huge board. And you will obviously use this on their turn. Um, and uh, doing that also helps your other opponents. Um, so they will... I mean, you could potentially use that as more political fodder to be like, look, I helped you out last turn. Like, don't. Or, I mean, proactively be like, look, I'll help you out this turn if you don't come towards me uh, next turn. Right. Uh, because I'll be tapped out or whatever. Yeah, I mean, this um, is the political the political version of propaganda. Because propaganda yeah. just sits there and says, don't come at me unless you're willing to pay two. In other words, don't waste your mana coming at me. War tax says, who are you going after? I think a great thing with this too is that like, if you have like just an absorbent amount of mana, just pump it up. Just make make it so that none of your opponents can attack. Also great thing with this is Goad is coming around a lot more as a, uh, a mechanic, mm -hmm. um, forcing people to attack. And yeah, Forcing people to attack if able. So, say it comes around to your turn and you don't want to attack with any of your creatures. <laughs> just pay two mana. And now you're like, oh, no, I can't attack. Um, Very nice. I hadn't considered yeah. it as that, that kind of an option. That makes, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Two other great things about this card. First, the uh, there are two artists who made this card which is fascinating i feel like we never see that greg and tim hildebrandt uh so that's cool and uh the flavor text says the worst thing about being a depraved pirate is having to work with a bunch of depraved pirates i real i really feel that i really feel that that makes good so. sense um i can't remember which but either greg or tim hildebrandt passed away many years ago mm-hmm and the surviving brother, much of his artwork that he continues to do, uh, he he gives credit to his brother. So oh, this so may very well be this, yeah. a piece of art that was done by one of them, and I unfortunately don't remember which one. Um, That's so cool. Because I know that I know that at least for a period of time he was they were they were doing it with both names. Um, so yeah, just something something different. I feel like. I need to remember this card so I can put it in my my uh, pirate like a brass deck. Yeah. yeah. Um, until researching for this episode, I have never heard of this card, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, what's your second card? The next one is mm -hmm. let me see here. Backfire. Backfire. Backfire is a one mana aura. Now I rarely choose auras. <laughs> uh, just because it just encourages people to go after my creature and destroy it. Well, backfire is a little different because I'm not putting it on my creature. I'm putting it on your creature. So backfire oh. says whenever the enchanted creature deals damage to you, 
backfire deals that much damage to that creature's controller. <laughs> so, I put it on your creature. So I put it on your 5-5 five, five creature. And you swing at me. And I don't block. I take 5. And you take 5. It seems yeah. fair. Now, this obviously... It doesn't doesn't stop somebody from attacking you. They can still swing at you if they want. You and st- yeah, and because it's a triggered ability, it'll go on the stack after you're dead, if that is the case. But, um, I mean, yeah, it it clearly is trying to get them to... Yeah, attack elsewhere. Go elsewhere, yeah. Yes. Go away. Find another, find another option. It was an early form of it. It only costs one blue, which makes it cheaper than propaganda, cheaper than a ghostly prison. Uh, it's unlikely anybody's going to destroy the creature in response, just because... Why? I mean, the only person who for whom this is a downside is the person who's getting whose creature, you know, the person who owns the backfire. Well, they can still yeah. attack elsewhere. They can still block. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, the back all the backfire does is, is don't hit me. <laughs> it's not that. The nice thing um with this too is that I mean, you know, like you said, it 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 doesn't disable the creature so right it's really hardly a downside for them until they try to attack you exactly um and it's not combat damage so uh yes anytime it deals damage to you right um uh, i was thinking uh, one of the car- one of the creatures i specifically was thinking when i saw this was um um in any event i like backfire uh, i think it's uh it's an interesting, it's a curious form of, of targeted removal, I would say. Obviously, not nearly as effective as your, if your opponent has three times the life that you do. Or <laughs> if you're trying to stop the creature from attacking you because it will kill you if it does. Because they can just kill you and take the damage, but you're still dead. So uh, so there is some restriction to the, to the use of the card. But... Um, I saw that and I thought this was a card that that could definitely go in a lot of interesting decks. So, yeah. Um, and for those wondering, this is in thirty-six decks. Oh yeah. So, get out there and get it while you can. And actually, it, it's it's not even it's not even that expensive if you're willing to run the fourth edition version. Mm. If you want the Black Border Legends, well. Be prepared to pony up that massive four dollars. Hey, <laughs> so all right, four dollars has made me look the other way sometimes. Um, I, I don't know that I would pay four dollars for backfire. <laughs> However, I would have no problem paying a quarter and getting the oh, white yeah, border version. So yeah, and then just you know, sharpie it. Yeah, <laughs> if you if you care so much. Um, <laughs> Uh, with that, we're going to jump out to our break real quick, um, and we'll be right back with our final, I guess, four to each cards. Uh, be right back. This episode of Temple of the False Bot is brought to you by Malcolm, Keen-Eyed Navigator. Uh, you like treasures, yes? 
Well, have I got treasures for you! Ah! Uh, me and my pirate friends will make you so many treasures! <laughs> Must be flying now! Bye! Now back to you. Wow! What a what a special guest. Mm. Always a pleasure to hear from them. I know you just went, but do you want to start off this back half? Sure, I'll start the back end. Um, my uh, my next card. Mm-hmm. I searched for it, found a whole bunch of cards because well, it has a relatively common name. It is blue enchantment. Costs two and two blue. And the card's name is Shimmer. <laughs> Just Shimmer. Shimmer Mirror? Um, shimmer Dragon? No. no. Shimmer Effect? Those. Just Shimmer. Uh, back in the days when they used up single single word names all over the place. Mm. Uh, Can't so do that shimmer anymore. An, no. Shimmer is an enchantment. It says, as Shimmer enters the battlefield, choose a land type. Each land of the chosen type has phasing. Sounds awful. Now, for those of you who really don't know what phasing is, and I, who could blame you, um, <laughs> phasing... It's coming back. Yes, but what happens with phasing is if a permanent has phasing, it phases in or out before its controller untaps during each of their untapped steps. While it's phased out, it's treated as though it doesn't exist. So what happens when a permanent has phasing... On that person's untapped step, right at the start, it goes away. And until their next untapped step, it's gone. It doesn't count as anything on the board. And when that next untapped step comes in, it comes back. Now, if it left tapped, it's coming back at the start of your untapped step. So you can just untap it, and away you go. (laughs) So with a land, it means that whenever the land's in play, you're going to be able to tap it. And when it phases out, it doesn't matter whether it's tapped or untapped, because when it phases in, it phases in at the start of the untap, it will be able to untap, and you'll be able to use it. Now, so read the card again now with phasing. All lands of the chosen type gain phasing. Well, okay, so if I'm not playing mountains, all mountains gain phasing. Or all planes gain phasing. Oof. So they only get to use them half the time. Half the time. Suddenly, all forests gain phasing. (laughs) Suddenly, that player who has 14 forests in play, the next turn has none. Now, yes, they can play a forest, and then they'll have one. And then when the next turn comes around, that one forest phases out, the other 14 come back. That's so much to keep track of. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, you end up you end up piling them on either side of your board. Yeah. And then whenever one leaves or one comes back or whatever. Now, this was created back in the days when people looked at this and said, Wow, this would go so good with Armageddon. I'll just give all my islands phasing. And then on my turn, I'll play Armageddon and destroy everybody else's lands. And then my islands will come back on the next turn. And I'll have all these lands and nobody else will have more than one. Ugh. Right, that's just freaking miserable. So don't play it like that. So pick a pick a land type that you don't have, and just force the, force your opponents to 
it re- you know reduce them to half their speed. This this enchantment becomes target number one. Yeah, uh, I can safely say this because I played this. I loved <laughs> this thing. For somebody whose decks were not very strong, it was a great way to slow people down. Mm. Um, it also puts a big fat target on your head because if they can't get rid of your enchantment, well, then they can do the next best thing and just get rid of you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so play it early. Keep in mind. <laughs> um, yes. Also, a thing to keep in mind is that uh, phasing in does not count as entering the battlefield. Um, right. And so, phasing out does not count as leaving. Right. So this does not trigger landfall abilities. Uh, so no. don't target or don't choose your own land type. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You will be sorry. Or um, as Bruce would say, sorry. Sorry. Um, something else to consider. Uh, you're choosing a land type. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily choosing every land that makes that color mana. Mm. So if you have an opponent who's running duels and the duel doesn't say mountain, then it doesn't phase out. So maybe they'll, they may still very well have access to red mana that turn, just less of it. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've gotten around this a couple of times doing that as well. So Shimmer coming in at 155 decks. Yes, uh, the uh. other part with Shimmer... It is mm-hmm. on the restricted list. It is pretty pricey. It's eleven dollars. So, yeah. But in any event, Andy, uh, your next card. My next card uh, is not on the. Uh, oh my god! And it's another Greg and Tim Hildebrandt. Oh. Uh, it's not on the restricted list. It's uh, an aura for one blue. It's Sigil of Sleep. Um, it is in currently. 997 decks so button up close to that uh thousand but uh it says enchanted uh enchant creature whenever enchanted creature deals damage to a player return uh target creature that player controls to its owner's hand um this pairs nicely with uh viridian longbow or honestly any sort of tim kind of uh prodigal sorcerer uh or honestly if you've got unblockable creatures or trample um and you're just trying to get rid of any of their tapped creatures or any of their big things you will find a way to deal damage with that creature to bounce any creature uh any player controls uh just by dealing at least a single damage to that player with that creature is pretty powerful um, yeah, now you've already said this, but it's just to be clear, this is damage, not combat damage. So, yes. Yeah, so, a creature that taps to do a point of damage can can activate this. Um, just as a creature that can do a point and a point and a point and a point <laughs> can also do this. Um, well, okay, so <clears throat> take your Pestilence Demon and attach Sigil of Sleep to it. Now, Pestilence Demon reads for one black mana, it deals one damage to each creature and each player. So, each player takes a point. Now, that means uh, the enchanted creature has dealt damage to a player, return target creature that player controls to its owner's hand. Well, it's done one point of damage to all of the players. Yeah. So, you can be returning multiple creatures 
well, one of each, one from each opponent back to their hands. And on top of that, you're doing a point of damage to creatures. Um, the <laughs> best part, though, is that you can then tap another black mana and do it again. Because then each opponent is taking one point of damage. And then they each return one card back to their hand. And, of course, you're targeting the most expensive of their creatures. Right. Um, and you can easily clear their board and then Right. I mean, Pestilence Demon by himself can clear boards pretty well. But when you start adding in the idea that for every one mana, you're bouncing a single creature from each of your opponents. And it's the <laughs> one you want most gone. I mean, wow. Yeah. Um, I've seen as long as it's targeted, right? And I've seen Sigil of Sleep used not with not on Pestilence Demon, but um, even just with uh, a creature that has the ability to do points of damage, you know, repeatedly, um, and it can be just absolutely miserable to have to play against. Um, <laughs> the it also doesn't say anything about um, it having to be an opponent. So if you have a creature that has an ETB ability that doesn't cost a whole lot, you can you can mm. target yourself, take a point of damage, return the creature to your hand, recast it, and get that ETB ability again. Um, if that's worth your worth the didn't effort. even think that's of that. worth the effort. Yeah. So yeah. I've... All right, Bruce. Okay. Let's wrap up your list. All right. What do you got for me? This is one of my favorite enchantments in blue. Um, mostly because I, I tend to play it with some other cards. Uh, well, let, me, let me explain what it is first. Uh, the card is called <laughs> Douse. It costs two and a blue. It's an enchantment and it reads, For one and a blue mana, counter target red spell. Whoa. So this means I don't need to have a counter spell in hand. I'm showing it to you right on the table. If I have a blue mana and one, and you want to play a red spell, I can say no. Anytime. I am allowing you to play red spells only because I choose to let you play red spells. That's the kind of control that this thing has, and it completely shuts down red. But more importantly, you can play it with uh, a whole host of other spells, which allow you to change the, the, the word... Mm. on the card to a different color type. Um, so I tend to play it with... Um, there we go. Alter Reality. Sure, that's that's good enough. So if you play it with Alter Reality or other cards that do the same thing, now Alter Reality just says, change the text of target permanent or spell by replacing all instances of one color word with another. Now, Alter Reality also has flashbacks, so if you need to change it back and forth, you can. Um... Basically, what I end up doing with with this when I'm looking at Douse is to uh, I play Douse um, and then consider whether or not there's enough red on the board for it to be worthwhile to leave it as red. Um, hmm. And if I'd prefer, if, if the, the opponent that's giving me the most trouble is playing black and green, I can change it to black or green. Um, however, whatever I decide I want to do. Um, and... This is another one. Your opponents have to get rid of this. They absolutely mm. have to. And honestly, if I'm playing an opponent that's playing black and green, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to counter-target green spell. Because green is going to be his only way to get rid of enchantments. 
So now he's going to have to burn a black spell that targets a permanent as opposed to anything else. You just made it so much harder. Now, yes, maybe black is their priority, is their priority and now they're going to have to focus on that. But you have just cut the strength of their deck by at least 40%. It's <laughs> just, it is a miserable spell to have to play against. And I will say that with commander decks, obviously you're looking for that other card to make the, cha make the change in the color. So you're going to need to have multiple cards that do that. But uh, Douse has been great for me. Uh, I've run it in a lot of my 60-card casual decks, just because... Oh, um, yeah. Not so much because I want to play multiple copies of Douse, but because I can play multiple copies of cards that allow me to change the color of a card, the, the color listed <laughs> on a card. So if I happen to have a creature that has protection from white, I can change that, or whatever. So I have put multiple reasons for those cards to be in there, and Douse uh, turns into uh, a card that basically can... And shut opponents down and give me a chance to really uh, work them over over the over a longer period of time so sounds dirty bruce it is kind of dirty uh, i won't lie <laughs> but uh but it also sounds janky as hell yeah i mean you really do have to make it you know uh, unless you've got an opponent who is just playing a lot of red um <laughs> you you're gonna have to do a little extra work with it but i like this card yeah it's yeah it's not an answer all it's just there. Yeah. Um, All right, Andy. Yeah. My last Bring one, on. and you're gonna have to help me. Uh, so, Douse, 192 decks. Yeah. Uh, my last one, and you're gonna have to help me with this one, because I've seen it played, and I'm always amazed by okay. it. Um, works real well in any sort of graveyard deck. It is in 529 decks. Okay. Uh, it's called Attunement. For two and a blue. Uh, it's an enchantment, and it says, Return attunement to owner's hand, colon. So, the pay cost at instant speed is return it to owner's hand. Draw three cards, then discard four cards. Um, this is a great way to keep cards in your hand that you want. Discard cards that you want in the graveyard. Uh, the fact that this is so hard to destroy is astonishing um because somebody targets it you return it to your hand uh they just wasted their mana they probably knew that they were going to um this obviously kind of bites if you have no cards in hand or one card in hand uh unless you want to just get everything into the graveyard but um yeah yeah i mean um, realistically that's <clears throat> that's what entombment, attunement is trying to scare you from. If, right. If you have no cards in hand and somebody targets it to get rid of it, well, you can't really return it. Because you're going to return it to your right. hand, you're going to draw three cards and then have to discard all four of them. This is not where you want to be going. So, uh, obviously, if you have no cards in hand, this is a bad card. But honestly, but you're a blue player. Why <laughs> do you more. have no cards in your hand? Just draw more. Exactly. As long as you have two cards in your hand, then you're going to be golden because you're going to you'll have two. You put the attunement in. That's three. Draw three. You'll have six. Now get rid of four. Okay. You keep the attunement and your best card, and you're still good to go. I mean, you are. This is looting, uh, like a spectacular loot 
is basically what this is. <laughs> um, and yes, if you're looking to load up your graveyard, this is a great way to go. If you need, if you need threshold, if you, uh, if you're looking to have various types of permanents in your graveyard, if you're running just straight recursion and you need big creatures in your graveyard, if you're just trying to draw down into your deck for the best cards, or you're looking for a combo piece, this is a great card. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many, so many reasons to run this particular card. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously there are plenty of decks where this is a big mistake, but there are plenty mm-hmm. where it's not. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, like, as long as you have, I think, over, you know, three cards, uh, which is likely because you're playing blue, uh, you're essentially for the price of discarding a card that you already have, you're finding the best card in the top three of your cards. Um, and it's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and this, I mean, if you're playing things like Niv-Mizzet or things that care about draw, then this is three triggers right there. Um, uh, if you are playing any sort of blue madness, I don't know how how likely that is, but <laughs> um, you're discarding four things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're, for some reason, playing uh, Laboratory Maniac or the newer Jace, uh, and doing a self mill strategy, this will help. Um, <laughs> uh, don't do that. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> you know, we we were talking before about that other card uh, being four dollars, and uh, original printing this is four dollars, uh, or you can get a gold bordered version for a dollar twenty six. Just to keep in mind, um, some of the some of the ways to use this. We've got a couple of uh, a couple of new new newer newer commanders that would really like this one. Uh, Riel the Everwise, she gets plus one mm. plus zero for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. Well, you're piling cards into your graveyard with this, and whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. So attunement reads: uh, draw three, discard four, draw four. Yeah, yeah, or uh, you know. Obviously, things like Muldrotha love this card. Yes. Uh, things, uh, if you're playing any sort of escape mechanic or delve where you're trying yeah. to exile things out of your graveyard to play bigger mm-hmm. things, this is great. You just throw some land or some cheap spells right. in there. And you only have to look at the art on the card to know that it's probably going to go well in a Hannah Ships Navigator deck where she's recurring artifacts and enchantments from your graveyard back to your hand. So, I mean, you know, it's... Is that Hannah on the... Uh, I don't art? think it's Hannah. I don't think it's Hannah on the art. I think it's Urza. But it's definitely, a, it's definitely an artifact that's being tinkered with. Oh, so, yeah. I uh, see. Yeah. There are plenty of uh, I decks see that you. are primarily yeah. artifacts that will work with this. Yeah. It's nuts. Um, so. You know, uh, that that does four for each of yeah. us. Um, I think that's a good place to stop. I think if we go any further, it'll make it to a long episode. Um, but uh, that wraps up our our blue enchantment episode of Temple's Treasures, um, which means there's only uh, one color left. So 
come back next season. I mean, come back next week. But uh, if you, for for Temple's Treasures next season, obviously we're going with white enchantments. No surprise oh, there. Oh no, There's I never we never find any good white enchantments. <laughs> that one's uh, going to be a tough episode. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I I think we found some pretty cool cards. I hope you can find some cool things to do with them. If uh, if you know of any cards that we missed or any blue enchantments that are after 8th edition that don't see a lot of play, let us know. Uh, you can reach us via Twitter or email falsepodmtg at gmail.com Twitter at falsepodmtg um, that, that was interesting. I, I didn't expect us to not have any overlap. Yeah, there's I mean, there's still plenty I think, there. It's yeah. just, yeah. I, I mean, I had a list of, I think, six or seven things that um, I narrowed down to four. And you didn't overlap any of mine. I don't know if I overlapped any of yours. But, no, you didn't. Uh, I, um, I also had a list of about seven. Um, my my final note to the audience is Breath of Dreams. I'm not going to say anything more about it. You go look it up. Go figure it <laughs> out. You'll know what I'm talking about. Breath of Dreams. I'll have to, I'll have to go look. Um but uh, I think this all goes to show that there's so many cards out there uh, that you've never heard of because who has? Um, go go check out Scryfall. Go just search random things sometimes. Uh, you'll be surprised what you find. Uh, you might find some treasure. Um, yeah. So I think that's going to do it for us today. I think so. As always. Thank you so much for listening. We're a Temple of False Pod where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Uh, I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the Temple. Bye! Hey everyone, Andy here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Temple of the False Pod. Just a few housekeeping things here at the end of the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. Subscribe and give us a review. It really helps out the show. And it'll show us what you like about our podcast. Uh, also, we've got a Twitter and an Instagram. Our handle is falsepodmtg, all one word. So be sure to follow us. Feel free to reach out to us there or drop us an email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com and tell us your favorite magic-related story. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to you and to Bruce. He's Mana Burned on Twitter, and I'm Andy Weekend on Twitter and Twitch. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks aren't optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the temple.